Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. story of the Oscars and a podcast. History seen through the eyes of a Muslim Canadian Indian and a Hindu Canadian Indian, whose love for films tempers both fortune and disaster. Is this the second week in a row you're doing that? Look, these old movies, (laughs) they they didn't have action sequences in the beginning of their films. They had title cards. They did. And I am stealing the information from the title cards. No, it was Cimarron, actually. Yeah. Cimarron. Simran. 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 <laughs> and now, Cavalcade. Cavalcade. Is that Cavalcade. what Cav- yeah. Cavalcade. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's either of those. It's one of them. It's one of them. Yeah. Mita, how's it going? I am here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm present and alive. Okay, guys, you need to know, Mita has occupied small talk for this episode, <laughs> so I give the floor to Mita. Okay, um, which would you like first, like movie talk and TV talk, or would you like true crime sexual misconduct talk? I feel like the TV talk is quicker. Yeah. So maybe do that, and then we can move on to sexual misconduct and true crime. Okay, so yesterday, literally last night, uh, I had some time because we were supposed to record, and then you decided you didn't want to record with me. And (laughs) I was like, you know what? Maybe now I'll watch Doctor Strange, because it's available on Disney+. And I was cooked. Yeah. Wow, that was quick. Disney's not, it's no joke, guys. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's available on Disney+. Plus. I thought about texting you and being like, can I watch it in your theater room? Yeah. But then I was just like, no, I'll just watch it now. Because you won't, you wouldn't, you, re- trust me, you really wouldn't want, wouldn't want to watch this one. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I watched Doctor Strange. I know it's, it's June and this thing came out like in March and shame on me, but I finally watched it. Uh-huh. I didn't like it. Okay. It was... Kind of, I felt like this one was really made for like fans of the comics and like who really know the MCU. I don't really know it. Yeah. I have like a general idea, yeah, um, and like just some knowledge that I picked up from TikTok every now and then. Mm-hmm. But like, I definitely didn't understand different aspects of the story and like where it was going and like mm-hmm. the the lore behind all of it. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like a succession of short little clips. Yeah. And it also was just like a mix of genres as well. Like there were some horror aspects in there. And then there was also like trying to, there's a, like a detective or an investigative part of it as mm-hmm. well. And then it's still a comic or a superhero movie. And it just didn't like nail any of those different yeah. aspects of it. It just was, felt like a hodgepodge of a movie to me. But I also didn't like the first Doctor Strange mm-hmm. either. So I don't know if that's like, taking a part of it but no i didn't really enjoy it so i'm glad i didn't spend like 20 or 30 yeah. 20 to 30 dollars for to see it in a movie theater yeah. um and i only i pay my annual disney plus subscription so for me it's like it's not like i paid for it at all in yeah. my mind because i paid that stuff like months ago yeah um but then as i was watching it the it prompted me to then watch miss marvel which mm-hmm. you and i have talked about if I was going to watch it or not. And I've been very discouraged by some of the Disney or the Marvel TV shows. Like yeah. I haven't watched Hawkeye yet and I haven't watched um, the one with Oscar Moon, Isaac. Moon King. Landing? Moon King? Moon, Moon King. Moon Kingdom. Okay, there we go. Moon something. Moon Guy. Yeah. I haven't watched those, but this does seem very separate from them. So mm. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I really enjoyed that first episode. I haven't seen it yet. I'm. <laughs> yeah. My goal is I'm going to binge them all at once. But I was surprised that you hadn't seen it because I feel like this is meant to target the South Asian audience. Really, it is. like, oh, it is, it is for South Asians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the FUBU of South Asians because <laughs> it literally was made by South Asians yeah. as well. And it really, it really does reflect like what it's like to grow up in a South Asian household. Mm. And then specifically with the main character, what it's like to have an imagination and to kind of be up in the clouds and to have these parents being like, what are you doing with your life? Like get your shit together. All from the perspective of like a 16 year old girl. And I'm liking this perspective of a 16 year old girl. Mm. She's not like super boy crazy. She's not like doing 
tick well she is making like youtube videos but it's about something she's really passionate about it's not just like her looking into the camera yeah and it's still that superhero like marvel aspect they haven't introduced like other marvel characters that i know yet but um i liked the first episode so i'm gonna continue watching it yeah that's good yeah that was my i'm happy to hear that and the stupid tube i think some (laughs) bollywood actors make some appearances in it too I saw that on IMDb, but I haven't seen any of them yet. Yeah, I think they're later on. I know Farhan Akhtar makes an appearance. Yeah, and we love him. Yeah, big fans of Farhan. Big fans, (laughs) huge. Yes. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'm going to binge it. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I know the creator showrunner for it. You did tell me that. Yeah, she's a lovely girl. Bisha, if you're listening to this, you're probably not. But good job. <laughs> Send and it I'm, to her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching it. Yes. Okay. Sex crimes. Go. Sex crimes. This is my section called true crime sexual misconduct section. Yep. <laughs> so Nadeem, I brought this up to you in a text message because I asked you if you've heard about any of this and you said no. And then as I was typing it, yeah. I was like, maybe I should save this for small talk. So I asked you if I could. So essentially, um, there is a podcast called My Favorite Murder. I don't know. Have you heard of it? Yes, you've mentioned it's it like, numerous it's, times. I mentioned it, but it's really big in yeah. the podcasting world. It's like it's the not- true crime podcast, right? Yes. Arguably. Yeah. After Serial, Yes. <laughs> Is it serial like, true crime, though? Yes. Or is it more journalism? Because not well, all the stories are... it started off are, as true yeah, crime. Not all yeah, the, not all the, the seasons are crime-based. They have... All of them have crime involved. They are more investigative journalism, but all yes, of them have a crime involved. Well, the yes. second one was a little bit more... That's a crime. He went AWOL. I guess so, yeah. It's... Yeah. It's not... True crime doesn't mean murder. It just know, means a crime. But in my head, yeah. it does. Anyways, continue. Anyways... <laughs> Um, My Favorite Murder, which is hosted by Karen and Georgia, they have created a podcasting conglomerate, I guess, but they've created a production company called Exactly Right Media, Uh in which they produce a bunch of other podcasts as well. And so one of those podcasts is called Murder Squad, which was hosted by Billy Jensen, who um, is an investigative journalist himself and has worked with Michelle McNamara from I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Uh And then the other one is Paul Holes, who's like a retired Los Angeles detective Uh um, who now in retirement is kind of looking at these old cases with Billy Jensen and they're looking at cold cases and they are using like citizen detectives to help them try to solve. So mm-hmm. in each episode they would discuss this case and they would say like, Hey, what do you know about this? Reach out to us. And like, let's try to solve this murder. Mm-hmm. And this was a very popular podcast on the exactly right platform. Mm-hmm. And recently, I think in March, they announced that the podcast was going to be no more. And then by a specific date, I don't know the details. They were going to say like the episodes would no longer be available, which is really That's rare. Yeah. Yeah. Because typically like you would end the podcast, but people could still go back and listen. But they were like, no, we're removing it. And part of it was like um, Exactly Right has started a partnership with Amazon. So people thought, okay, maybe that's what it is. But what has come out recently is that there was a staff member who was on the Exactly Right team who had accused... Um, Billy Jensen of sexually harassing her. And the way that the Exactly Right team, so Karen and Georgia specifically, I'm assuming, handled that, this staff member is now suing Exactly Right and suing Karen and Georgia. And yeah. So this, and say, the, the alleged sexual abuser. No. This, the staff member from the, the podcast... Um, production company is suing the podcast production company for because one of their biggest talents sexually assault uh, sexually harassed her i don't know if it was assault specifically but was sexually harassing her and when she brought that forward they like looked into it but they still asked her to continue to work with him this is what i'm hearing from reddit yeah which is a big no-no and so she has decided to sue them because that was really unfair to her Interesting. What's come out since then Uh is a ton of stories about this podcaster, Billy Jensen, and that he has a history of doing this with different women. And what's come out most recently is this other podcast called, oh, I should have looked it up right before, Um, Too Many Jennifers or Not That Jennifers or something like that. It's two women named Jennifer and they talk about things that like relate to Jennifers. Yeah. 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 And one of which she used to run like a true crime convention. 
And she had, had like a friendly relationship with Billy Jensen. And she goes into detail about an evening in which he like they were making out. And she says like, I wanted to make out with him. Like it was all consensual. He also is married with children, but uh-huh. apparently allegedly is in an open relationship. And she describes like it was all like I gave him my consent to like make out with him and things like that. And he took it one and step further. He took it one step further and like slapped her across the face and then things stopped and then they like continued to have a conversation and she also was just like not processing her trauma correctly from it she also had admitted that she was once in a relationship where she was the aggressor like she was the violent one in a Mm -hmm. relationship but essentially she had been deposed for this lawsuit that's happening. And so she revealed on her podcast, like her experience because Mm -hmm. she had been deposed from it. And it's caused like this big uproar of like exactly right, not acknowledging this at all. Like they have said nothing. Mm -hmm. Karen and George's episodes are still coming out from like the main podcast, which is my favorite murder. Mm -hmm. There's nothing on Reddit. There's nothing on like any social medias at all. People are like coming up under them and be like, when are you going to talk about this? Like, this is a big deal, especially because they talk so much about victims within their podcasts and the true crimes that they look at Mm -hmm. and speaking about victim rights and women being able to speak up about their experiences. And now they're kind of like high botching everything. And so I was like, have you heard anything about this? But I don't think you have. I don't follow that world the same way. That's very interesting. How do you feel about the things that I've said? Interesting. I will say (laughs) I don't have as much of a vested interest because I don't follow or listen or like it's a whole world. It's like you might as well be talking to me about like sports gossip, right? Like I just it's whoosh. But it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear Ali? I thought you would have more to say. (laughs) Did you hear Alia Butt is pregnant? I did. That's more of my alley. <laughs> there you go. How are we feeling about her pregnancy? I, I hope she has a good pregnancy. She actually yeah. called out. We should get to our review. But she there's this publication called Pink Villa. And mm-hmm. they have different like, Pink Villa fashion and Pink Villa India and Pink Villa USA. And they made a post about how they were saying something about how Renbeer went to the airport to pick her up in her delicate condition and that she needed to rest. And she resp- she made two posts back to back. One of mm-hmm. them said something like, thank you so much to all the messages and DMs I've received of, about this. Thank you. And then the next one was, it took a screenshot of something pil- that thing Pink Villa wrote and was just like, I am not something, I am, I, I'm not in a delicate condition. I don't need my husband to take care of me. I don't need anything like this. And now if you'll excuse me, I'm late for my shot. And like, and just left it at that. It was pretty badass, actually, for her to essentially call out this publication for, you know. Just making clickbait. Clickbait, yeah. But I think the thing that everyone wants to know is when is this baby coming? Because Alia and Renbeer got married two months ago. Oh, this baby was born or was conceived Conceived. before wedlock. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that I care, but it's just kind of. It's kind of shocking for Bollywood, it though. Is kind of like that for rarely Bollywood, happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, it's the no one reveals a pregnancy this quickly, especially no one as public as Alia Putnam and Beer Kapoor. So the mm-hmm. fact that it's only been two months since they've been married, it indicates that she was probably pregnant. Do we think they got married because they also had a very quick, ri- quick wedding with wedding. very little people yep. at the wedding? Do we think that that was like kind of the driving force? Maybe, especially because she was doing a movie with Priyanka Chopra and Katrina Kaif that mm-hmm. was written by Zoe Akhtar and directed by Farhan Akhtar that got stopped because they couldn't continue with the filming. And initially, the gossip thought that it was Priyanka Chopra, but then Priyanka mm-hmm. Chopra had her baby. And then people thought it was Katrina Kaif because Katrina Kaif got married in December. But yeah. then when this came out, people were like, okay, well, it obviously got shelved because of Alia. So like, clearly, yeah. this is like... It's a thing. To shelf a movie, it's a pretty big deal. Wait, why did they... Because she's pregnant, they had to shelf it? For whatever reason, it was meant to be a road trip movie. It was meant to be mm-hmm. a road trip movie, so I'm pretty sure they were meant to go to It's supposed to be like Dil Chathahe or Zindagi yeah. Al Gidobara, but with, but women, with women, right? Yeah, and so I get the... I think the idea is she couldn't travel places. Like, she's shooting oh. her movie with Jamie Dornan now. She's probably going to go back to India very soon, and that'll be it. How far along is she, though? That's the question, right? She must be at least three months. If they're revealing, I would hope she's at least four. At least four, yeah. Yeah. She's at least three months. She's at least out of the first trimester, but I would hope she's further along. 
Well, it's none of our business. It's none of our business. And all I hope is that Alia has a healthy baby and wish them the best. Because I really love Alia. I really hope the way this does affect me, I hope Alia doesn't stop acting because she's such a good actress. Yeah, don't be a madri. Don't do that. Don't. She's she's a gift to Bollywood right now. And I hope we don't lose her. Okay. I'll let her know. Let me tell you what actress isn't a gift to the film industry, though. Oh, who's that, Nadim? One... Diana Winyard. <laughs> and you, listener, might be asking, well, who is Diana Winyard? Yes. Yes. Who is Diana? She is the main character in the movie Mita and I watched this week, Cavill Cade. Yes. The best, she was. Best picture winner from 1933. You do know this isn't our first Diana movie, though. No? No. What was she in? Gaslight. Oh, she was. (laughs) She's Bella. Yeah, I did. I was so just. Anyways, let's (laughs) let's let's follow our our things that we do. I'm going to give you a quick IMDb discro and then we'll launch into so much here. Okay. So IMDb describes Calville Cade as a portrayal <laughs> of the triumphs and tragedies of two English families, the upper crest Marriott's and the working class Bridges's <laughs> from 1899 <laughs> to 1933. I copied and pasted from I know. IMDb, so that's <laughs> I know. how IMDb spelled it. Bridges's. <laughs> Bridges's. The Bridges. The Bridges. Zizzes. <laughs> but I think their names is Bridges, so it's Bridges's. Bridges's. But anyways, <laughs> that is a quick description of Cavalcade from 1933. Thoughts, Mita? Where's the beef? That is my thought with this movie, where I ended up at the end of the day. The Discro does describe it. It's this, uh, what you would think would be this amazing story about two families through this passage of time where there are world events happening all the time (laughs) every few years something big is occurring and you would think there would be something there with some promise and some um excitement and and heck even just like a little bit of entertainment but Uh um no (laughs) it's really it's um the words to describe it aren't coming to me because there are no words to describe how lackluster this movie is yeah yeah you know what's also lackluster is the all-around terrible acting in this movie. It's just Like, so across bad. the board. It's like, it's it feels like a high school play. I don't even know if it's that good. Like, it's just... <laughs> I like... mean, my high school, my high school actually had very talented people in our theater program, and, like, we did put on really, like, really great plays. Uh, Go Bell High School. Don't look up the CBC <laughs> podcast about us. Um... The one actor, actress who was decent is the one who played Margaret, Irene Brown. Mm-hmm. She was the one character who delivered lines better than they would be read from a phone book. Can I tell you something, though? Yes. I don't know who these characters are at all, how they're related to yeah. each no other. Idea. I have no idea who these yeah. people are at all. It's just like a hot mush mess of yeah. like... This, these two families, allegedly, I don't know, and what they've gone through through these pa- this passage of time, but there's nothing compelling about them whatsoever. It's nothing forcing me to try to understand their story either. It's literally a passage of time. Like, there's nothing. It's literally just these people living through this, what, 40, 30 years, 34 mm-hmm. years. That's it. And in... Thinking about it, a lot of things transpired in those 34 years, fine. So there is a lot that these people have experienced and gone through and their families have gone through a lot. Cool. But that's it. That's it. And like, there's so many, the thing I think that upsets me the most though, is that there's so much opportunity. Yeah. You're talking about different wars. You're talking about two characters being on the Titanic. Yeah. And all we're given is a scene similar to Rose and Jack, where they're at the the, yeah. the dock, or not the dock, but they're on, they're on, on the ship. Yeah. They're on deck. They're in love with one each other. They're holding each other in the arms, speaking about the night. And they just happen to say, oh, what if we died today? Oh it would God. be Don't perfect. Don't get me started on the on-the-nose dialogue. <laughs> Everything was so on-the-nose in this thing. And I just didn't under That whole sequence, I was just like, well, why is this the writing right now? 
And then they just fade to black. So you just, you know that they do die. You know, because they probably did not survive on the Titanic. Why not show me a little bit of the iceberg rock in the boat? Well, I mean, that is, that is. Production no, limitations, right? No, I've seen all quiet <laughs> on the Western Front. I have seen <laughs> I've seen other movies in this time. It could have been done. I've seen even Simran. Simran had some really Simran great did action have some shots. Great action shots, yeah. You can do it. And they didn't. No. No. What is the appeal of movies like this? Because when I watched when I watched, when I heard the when I read the description for it, I thought initially like, oh, Nadim will like this because Nadim loves Downton Abbey. I don't know. Downton Abbey, Gosford Park, that shit is up my alley. He loves upper crusty British yes. people. And I thought, oh great, this will be just up his alley. Like this will be something he'll enjoy. There is nothing appealing about these people whatsoever. On both sides of the coin, the more the well-to-do family and the more middle class, um, yeah. noble middle class family, not noble, but middle class yeah. family. Like there's nothing I honestly can't tell you which who belongs on in which family. There's just so there's so much unremarkable about them too. It's not like when Downton Abbey does it, let's say there is this their characters and their people. And first of all, the patriarch of that family is also named Robert. So there is, this movie has obviously inspired some other movies. And you can tell, like I started watching this and I was just like, oh, this is going to be very Downton Abbey-esque. Mm-hmm. And I would have been so happy if it was so Downton Abbey-esque. Because it's not. This isn't about the upstairs downstairs of it all. It's literally about these two families who are connected because they both live in the same house. That's it. And their story about like what happens through these major life events in a very Forrest Gumpy manner. But at least Forrest Gump is about Forrest Gump. Yeah, like it's it, about Jenny. Yeah. Oh, God, that bitch. Run, Forrest! <laughs> but it Run. is about, that is at least about Forrest. It's about an individual in his life, and, you know, it's a coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. What is Cavalcade about? Because you're not even following just one person. No. Like, if you look at something like Forrest Gump, which, say what you will about it, Forrest Gump is great to have on on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Forrest is a charming character. Forrest has interactions with other people. We are still following the perspective of Forrest and mm-hmm. what he's accomplished over this timeline. But this is just such an amalgamation of all these different people. And at no point am I learning anything about these characters that's going to pull me in, that is saying to me, like, oh, like, I want to actually know what happens in this story. Like, you hate Jenny, but from when we learn what's happening to her as a little girl, I, I want to know what happens to Jenny. I want to know what happens of her life. What does she make of herself? When we see her, you know, being a hippie and, and having AIDS, I'm like, well, how does that going to end up? Like, what's going to happen there? There's nothing in this that I'd be like... Except for that Titanic scene, because I kind of want to know how they died on the ship. Yeah. Because I've seen, because I've seen a movie like Titanic. Like, watching this now, I'm so heavily, heavily influenced by the movies that have shown the plot, different plot points in this, that have done such a much better job of explaining these different world events. Uh-huh. I mean, the one thing you did gloss over, and you, I don't know how you could forget this, is how the main character, Jane... She's always on the cusp of having a nervous breakdown just for two hours straight. (laughs) Just a constant state of this bitch needs a Xanax like I've never seen someone need a Xanax. It's so ridiculous. And she's like hysterical as a character. And like I get I also understand that what happens to her in her life is pretty dramatic and Mm -hmm. pretty like traumatic it's pretty sad and so if she had evolved into this woman who was like a nervous wreck and it would be one thing but she starts it's and it's that's such an easy fix too right like Mm. she could have started off one way hopeful and optimistic and like this person and then as like these things have happened in her life she ends up being something but there's no arc to her and and i can respect it more like such a simple fix in one person about like how this individual has dealt with these things would have done wonders for this but no jane is constantly she's constantly like this close to losing her mind and i remember one of her first lines when they bring flowers on new year's eve i guess and she's and she says something so ridiculous like 
it's almost so sentimental. I could cry. And her delivery is so like, so right. So sentimental. I could cry. And I was just like, I'm like, am I, is this meant, I was legit like, is this meant to be a joke? Or is she seriously saying, I could not figure it out. But also, who says that? Who talks like that? <laughs> who says it's so sentimental? You say like, oh my gosh, like I'm so overwhelmed right yeah. now. I'm going to cry. Who says This movie was so, the this? writing was terrible. And I don't say that loosely, but the dialogue in this was really bad. You know, there's one shining light to all of this, though. It's that we don't favor the same movie as Hitler. I hear. <laughs> this was Hitler's favorite movie. Allegedly. Apparently. Allegedly. I believe it. Because yeah. <laughs> this seems like somebody who is like sadistical and wants <laughs> to like torture themselves. Um, who needs real help <laughs> would like. But the to thing watch. is, Mita, this was apparently super successful. Why? <laughs> I have no, and I cannot, I was so confused. And you know what? I'm honestly trying, there are things I will, I try to find the silver lining in any movie I watch. And I don't, at the end of the day, think this is terrible. Mm-hmm. I think that we've seen worse movies. There are worse movies. This is not a Best Picture winner, though. Like, I do yeah. not understand why this won Best Picture. And I was really, for the life of me, trying to find it and the only thing i could think that was that maybe because we were in the middle of the great depression and this is it ends a on a very hyper christian note okay yeah and so maybe there is some level of hopefulness or there is something about the piousness of this movie that was also really off-putting i was was mm-hmm. i watching a pro-christian movie and i didn't even know it the whole time <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> i don't know and i can't tell because that a that whole sequence at the end comes in at the end and nowhere else. Mm. It's interesting because I'm looking and there's nine other films that yeah. were also nominated that same year. So 42nd Street, which I've never heard of. I am a fugitive from a chain gang. The title alone is just more entertaining than <laughs> yeah. Gavelgate. Lady for a Day, She Done Him Wrong, Smiling Through, The Private Light of Henry Henry VIII, <laughs> State, <laughs> State Fair, and... Little Women. Oh, the original Little Women? Little Women, the original with Catherine, Catherine Hepburn. Audrey's mom. Mother of Audrey. <laughs> not, not Mother of Audrey. Mother of Audrey. Um, was nominated as well. And even, like, I've heard of A Farewell to Arms. I've never seen it, but I've no, heard yeah. that name. I feel like that should have won. Yeah. <laughs> with none of my knowledge or expertise of the two but films. But this also won Best Director. <laughs> Whereas something like Grand Hotel only direction? won best, fil- best Film, but something like this somehow won three Oscars. Did they just discover drugs? For the record, this, like- this is this movie won more than Spotlight. <laughs> right? Like, this Spotlight has two Oscars. This somehow has three. And I just, I cannot for the life of me. And a movie like Zodiac has none. Like that. I mean. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna try to slide that in there as much as I can. I just don't get I don't get where this I don't where get does this, this one. come from. Yeah, I don't get this one. I think it's probably a time like a, a at that time. Yeah, you, have you had to, to be watch there. it. Which, quite frankly, like I don't want to be in the 30s. Like I would not want to live during that era. During the Great Depression? No, probably not. No. <laughs> But even if I was, like, the richest person alive, I don't want to... I love technology. I love the advances that we have today. Like, I don't think I could see myself living in a time like that. I mean, if you lived in a time like that, then you would have just lived in a time like that. Especially if these are the movies that I'm left to watch. Like, I would be so bored. I I mean, I don't know. I can't explain this one. Even with something like Cimarron, like, I'm I'm thinking back to Cimarron, and I'm just like, wow, there's actually things in Cimarron I legitimately enjoyed. Right. There were things mm-hmm. in Cimarron that I was just like, that first that first sequence in the field where they're trying to claim their land, that is, it's incredible to watch. And the like, the scale and everything that they do, there are some redeeming qualities in that movie that I didn't love. I cannot, especially because we've seen things now. We've, mm. We know that war, they can do war scenes. We know they can do dance scenes. When you, we know they can do musicals. So what is it? I honestly don't know. And if you presented to me on paper, if you said, Mita, you have to watch this Western from the 30s um, about a man and his family and Oklahoma. Or if you had to watch a period piece yeah. about, yeah, I would go for the period piece. Yeah. I would say like, yeah, that's more up my alley than the Western. But like looking back, I'm like, that is so much more entertaining. And it's kind of weird to me. Like there's these obvious 
like regressions that are kind of occurring in terms of like what is of caliber and what are people sort of accepting as the best picture, which you can still kind of mimic today as well. Like you can look at something like Nomadland, which isn't necessarily like my cup of tea. I didn't love it, but I can understand why that would win in best picture nomination over something like Coda, which a fun, entertaining movie, but is it best picture Picture. caliber? Yeah. The answer is. And so it's, it's, I, I don't know why in my mind I had this notion that everything from the beginning would be so great, would have such notoriety with it, but like, it's not that great, guys. No. (laughs) And then I'm wondering, is the Oscars just bullshit? (laughs) Oh, wow. This is an existential question for me, though. This is might be the question that I'm trying to answer for the next however 900 weeks that we have of this. I mean, I don't it- know if we'll be able to 900 weeks. It is a lot of weeks. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we'll be able to answer that until we're like well into this. I think it's still too new. I th- I'm sure when we get to the 60s and 70s, there's going to be I, more yeah. consistency in how paced. paced, but then you have things like Raging Bull losing out to ordinary people. Right, you, and that's going to be more telling because we would have been we would have seen more of the nominees. We'll be watching mm. the winners, but we will have also seen the nominees to have more of an educated, you know, decision about it. And I think what we're experiencing now is watching crash without knowing that Brokeback Mountain is there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like we're watching yeah. the Best Picture winner. This is what the Academy picked that year. Sure, when Crash wins, you have context to be like there are definitely better pictures here and yeah but we can talk about that we can talk about homophobia we can talk about how white guilt we can talk about a lot of reasons why crash won i i don't know what led to this and the only things i can think of are that it is meant to be maybe hopeful during the depression it is does have a pro-religion message at the end of it which i imagine during the during the depression was probably important and that's it I can't think of anything else. Yeah, not neither can I. We should go ask Hitler. <laughs> what even? Well, so talk to. Let's me. try to find an interview from back in the thirties and find out talk. why he liked Cavalcade. Yeah, why was this his favorite film? It's confusing. Did you like anything about it? <laughs> no, like I nothing at all. <laughs> no, my dad walked in. He's like, "What are you watching?" First, I've had such a hard time saying the name of this uh, so movie. Much. I was like, "Calvary, Cavalry, Cavalcade, Cavalcade, and I couldn't say Cavalcade. Yeah. And finally, we Googled it, and I said, "It was Cavalcade." And then he goes, "Are you liking it?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> this is not." I really, and I think it's still it still is feeling like homework in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think once we once we get to Gone with the Wind, I think I'll be in a much better place mentally about like what we're seeing there are a couple of pictures i am actively looking forward to watching i am looking forward to watching oh it happened one night is next week is next yeah that's exciting i I am excited about that because it is rom-com which i famously have said on this podcast that maybe i'm not into rom-coms but i think i'm into old rom-coms i'm definitely that and mutiny on the bound then we get into a couple of ones that i'm just like i don't know what this is but those two i am looking forward to you're not excited for Emile Zola? Yeah, I have no idea who Emile Zola <laughs> is, so we'll see. I, I think we do have to make peace with the fact that there are going to be some good and some bad. And this there's is... There's some real duds Yeah, here. there's some real duds here, and that's inevitable. There is also a crash, right? So, and crash cannot be... Imagine by the time we get to crash, I'm like, oh, I watched it and I've decided to change my opinion about it. I actually think we might wind up liking crash at not. the end of the day. I will not. What if we do? Maybe. We'll see. But I won't. What if Ryan Philippe redeems himself in that movie? He doesn't. All this to say. Spoiler alert. Sorry. (laughs) All this to say that we know that the Academy has picked some garbage. You know, Crash and Driving Miss Daisy, especially having picked safe movies over more adventurous and more controversial pieces or movies that actually aren't mass appealing say something say something yes and i think this might be this and cimarron might be examples of movies that won because they were mass appealing there's Mm. something about this that the mass liked it was a uh, your common men's educated film it wasn't as 
hefty as All Quieter on the Western Front, and it wasn't as pretentious as Grand Hotel. That's all I can think of. I I can't find any really redeeming qualities. And then if you ask me to even think about a sequel, prequel, because this movie spans such a long period of time, there really isn't even a place for a sequel, prequel. And to me, in a lot of ways, that's like an indicator of something I didn't enjoy. If I can't open up my imagination to like what other possibilities there are, then I'm not, I don't think it's a great film. I think great movies let you explore your thoughts and ideas. Uh-huh. And I can't even, I can't, I walk away with this with like learning nothing and coming away with no viewpoints. It was just there. It was really just there. It also had the yeah. feeling of a soap opera. And a bad one. It yeah. wasn't like Passions. Did you ever watch Passions? No, because it was awful. Passions? But Passions was like. Self-aware? Great awful. Yeah. Mm. It was Completely self-aware. There was no days of our lives in its heyday. Days is great too. Yeah, I'm I'm a young and the restless girl. That's fair. Like that's what I grew up with, and yeah. All this to say, it did feel like a soap opera as well. I just felt something about the storytelling and the movement of time just felt very much. There was no focus. Like I didn't no feel like I was and... following a story or people. Like I was actively following people, but people aren't don't act like this. And I think the biggest pitfall is that if you want to have a a story about the thirty three years of someone's life. Something, people have to change. Things have to happen. It can't just be life and death. This woman loses both of her sons. Something has to happen to her character, but it doesn't. She has moments of delirium or like extreme grief or whatever, but then it's also monotonous. You know how Mm. she's going to react. I don't have a sequel prequel idea, but I think the only thing I would even be remotely interested in seeing is this exact movie done but giving Jane an arc, changing how her character is written, changing how she kind of reacts to her life and how things change and what becomes of her. Because otherwise you're just watching literally the passage of time. Look at the things that happened while we were young and then we were old. Well, even look at something exciting like boyhood. Like in theory, when you think, when you take a part I think what's really exciting about Boyhood is like the way that it was made. I think that yes. is definitely a factor in it. But there is something really appealing from seeing someone from when they're they are 10 years old until they are like a grown adult and there aren't m- major life events that occur in the movie. They're life events for that particular character. And so you can have all these world events occurring, but if your characters don't have anything to them, if they don't have any purpose, then what's the point? <laughs> you're just watching uh, the History Channel. Yeah, that's ex- you're absolutely yeah. right. The reason Boyhood is effective is because it's not big things. It's so yeah. it's so true to life and true to form and true to how people live that it feels so relatable to watch these people go through that life. This is not relatable. I know some people live through multiple wars. Like, there are people who live through World War One and World War Two and the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Like, those are humans that existed. That is a wild life to lead. But what's interesting is not the... Events themselves, yes, but how they powered through it. how you powered through it or what happened or what existence you had. These people lived in the same house, in the same city, with the same facial expressions. So why am I interested I will say that um, I typically always yawn during our recordings because it's later at night and I'm an uh, early yeah. riser, not a, not a night owl. Nadim also yawned <laughs> in this recording. And uh, I think it just shows you that this was a real dud. This was a real dud. And I was really disappointed by it. The one thing I do think that I found personally interesting was there's one scene where they show a gay and lesbian couple. I don't remember this. They're talking about the, the de- they're talking about the debauchery of like the jazz era, and it's like really towards the end, oh, yeah. And there's okay. like a woman petting a woman's hand and a guy like ta- uh, yes. like talking to a clearly effeminate man, and like that's what you're meant to get. So like yes, you have this portrayal on screen. However, they are meant to be at a quote unquote like orgy of like w- what's going on and how like debaucherous the f- the future is and all of that. And it's not meant to be a positive thing. So yes, the movie had the betrayal. It wasn't meant to be positive, though. But again, I did not realize I was watching some pro-Christian film. 
And I don't know why a pro-Christian film won Best Picture. That is really oh, confusing. but because it, I'm sure if you looked at the Academy at that time. It was it all was white, all probably. White men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I can't think of anything. Who knows? So. Should we? Well, first I want to know, did this deserve yeah. to win Best Picture? Yes, totally. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, my answer is just a flat. Like, this movie gave me nothing. I'm yeah. going to give you nothing with my response. It's a no yeah. for me. What about you? Yeah, like, I, I obviously can't <laughs> compare it to what else it was. But, like, based on what I saw, like, no, man. Like, it yeah. has to be better than this. Because you've done better. Even before. Like, the movie yeah. right before this was so much better. And then two movies before. And even Simran. Even Simran was good. Heck, yes. even the Broadway melody <laughs> is better. The Broadway melody at least had some production value or some, like, something. I just can, for the life of me, cannot figure out what this movie is here for. Mm-hmm. But Hitler did. Hitler did. So apparently <laughs> there's that. I will launch into my rating. Okay. Because good. I don't think I have anything else to say about this movie. Please do. <laughs> this was a dud, man. And it might be the dud of duds. I think this <gasps> dud, might dud, dud. Yeah, I think this might go down as my least favorite film because I think things are going to get better. And I think my opinion will either be up or mid. I don't think it, it's going to go down very often. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it happened one night. I'm looking forward to Mutiny on the Bound. I'm looking forward to a few of these coming up. This, I was hopeful for these movies that I've never heard of. Like, there's also, the, there's two of them. The Great Siegfried, sorry, The Great Siegfeld and The Life of Emil Zola. Again, no idea what these movies are. But when with these movies that I've never heard of, like this or Simran in the past, I try to be hopeful about them. And I try to approach them from a place of, maybe you're going to discover something really exciting. And I don't just want to like movies that I've heard of. All Quieter on the Western Front, Grand Hotel. I want to I want to watch something and be like, I've never heard of this, didn't know it existed, and it was amazing. I really am hopeful for that. And time is kind of running out on that. Mm. And that's kind of sad, because I do want to be excited by something. I don't want to, things to be predictable. Unfortunately, this just wasn't it. And I was really hopeful for this. And I was not expectations that ki- killed it because I didn't have them. I was just hopeful that this would be good. And it was just such a dud, man. It was such a dud. The acting and the screenwriting, the dialogue, the dialogue, the dialogue. I just, I, as a writer, I love writing dialogue. And it's one of the things I think I'm best at personally. And this movie is so on the nose. Someone took one pass at the dialogue and was just like, yeah, I think that's it. And it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't cut the mustard. It's just so, so poor. And Diane, man, I just don't know what else to say. Just such terrible delivery. And like, I can't, it's not even of the time. Because again, there was Greta Garbo, there was Jane Crawford. You know, there were women. Joan, Joan, sorry. There were women who were, she's going to be so angry at me. Hangers. Yeah. (laughs) There were women and men who were giving performances that were electric. And this is just so bland. I could honestly go on even more about how just boring this movie is. But I think we know where I'm going. I'm bringing this one star. Okay. Yeah. I'm putting that down. Yeah. One star for the cavalcade. Yeah. Okay. My turn. Yeah. I said it at the beginning of like, where's the beef with this? Yeah. And we've kind of gone over that this movie really doesn't have anything to it. It is like reading a history textbook that you're seeing these small moments in a great period of time when there is a lot of things happening and you you have all the opportunity in the world to expand on it and to show us something new, show us something creative even. And it's such a dud. It's just so boring. It's all the things that I would expect to hate from a period piece happening in this period piece. All the things, the reason why I've never watched Downton Abbey is because I think I might be bored by what's happening. And this is boring. This is it. This is exactly all the negatives that you would expect from something of this timeline. And I think what bugs me the most, though, is that there is opportunity and we have seen what's come before it. And we can see that films were well made at that time. It's not like this was a movie like, okay, well, it came out in 1930. 
Three, four, three, three. Came out in 1933. Like, that's why, you know, there isn't more action sequences or there isn't, you know, a buildup in the dialogue or there isn't X, Y, and Z. But we've watched a few movies now from that same timeline and they've been able to do those things. And so I just, I can't understand why this would be something that was such a front runner for not just the Academy, but for like audiences of that time. Because it's not even... An, an escape it is kind of a depressing movie at the end of it as well like there's <laughs> yeah. nothing exciting about this like why would you want to go through it which makes perfect sense as to why it is hitler's favorite <laughs> movie i can't stress that enough that if you're that's the point that you should take away from this or you should know when before you if you decide to watch this is that it was hitler's favorite movie and if that deteriorates you great stay away from it yeah. because it's just not enjoyable at all I have yawned a lot while oh we God, record so this much. podcast. I have yawned so much today. Just so much because it's really, it really is boring. And I don't think it's coming from this perspective of like, oh, we're, we're young millennials no. and we don't understand movies of this time and what went into them. Like, no, this is really just, it's a snooze. Yeah. It's a snooze and it's a one star for me as well. Two stars from two people. There you go. This, this is the one to beat. <laughs> we'll find out if Crash can. Maybe. I don't know if I would give Crash a one. We will see. We'll see. But we that, have quite a while. <laughs> we do have quite a while, for probably like a year at least. But for now, that was Cavalcade. Don't watch it. Don't waste your time. I say that very rarely, but you really don't need to watch this. Nope. Wait, I do have a question for you. Yeah. If I had to present you mm-hmm. with a movie night in which we either watched Cavalcade or a Cinderella story. Oof. What, a what are you picking to what watch? What a Sophie's choice. Who am I watching it with? Me. Oh. I think Your daughter. Like, I think... Oh, okay. Your wife. <laughs> Depends on what I'm trying to get across. Don't think about it too much. It's a hypothetical question. I think with you, I would be watching this. Because I think <laughs> I think the dialogue that we would have... I would fall asleep. ...would be so much more entertaining. <laughs> that that Okay, maybe that's fair. I think so. I think movie to movie, what am I watching individually? If, like, I'm trapped on a desert island and yeah. someone presents to me two DVDs, what do I take? I take a Cinderella yeah. story. Great. That's the right answer. Yeah. But if we're watching a movie together and I have to pick one, we're watching Cavalcade. Okay, that's fair. No. I will fall asleep. No. Um. <laughs> you won't. It'll just be too good a conversation. Okay, we'll see. That's that. That's that. We'll talk about what movie we're picking next. Thank God that one's over. (laughs) (laughs) For now, though, it's time for us to play our game. Yeah! So last week, I connected Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon to Mm -hmm. The Favorite. You did. And I told you I was going to make it more difficult this week, Mitha. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a movie. And the rule now is you cannot use Marvel. That's not fair. Why? Because it's a whole universe. <laughs> Fine. Okay. I'll try my best. We'll allow Marvel this time oh, because okay. I'm going to have yeah. you connect the favorite uh-huh. to Kuch Kuch Hotai. Okay. <laughs> and if you could do it with Marvel, next time I have two like American films, I will be taking out Marvel. But your timer okay. starts now. I don't even know, like, where to start. If anyone um, can do this, you can. I don't know if I can. It's if a you're tough one. No. I'm thinking Rachel Weiss, but I don't yeah. know where to go from there exactly. Like, what has she had? And then I'm thinking, because she was supposed to say, it's Shah Rukh Khan, Kajol, Narni Mukherjee, Anupam Kher. Okay, let's go with Anupam Kher. <laughs> Anupam Kher. What? That's a good one. That's a good idea. Is that yeah. the good one? Too? Okay. Um, Anupam Kher is in... Silver Linings, which has Bradley Cooper. Who's done a movie with Bradley Cooper? Has any of them done a movie with Bradley Cooper? Okay, Silver Linings also has De Niro. Who's done a movie with De Niro? Silver Linings also has Jackie Weaver. It also has Julia Stiles. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This this is really hard. I'm trying so hard and I'm probably really close to it, aren't I? Yeah, you are. Oh my gosh, why can't I think? Okay, that's that's a minute. Okay, I'm not going to get there today. So there's a couple of ways to actually do it. And your way would have been, you just approached it the wrong way. 
because oh, the oh. favorite also stars one Emma Stone, who is yes. in Aloha with Bradley with Bradley Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> but I I've erased Aloha from my mind <laughs> it's because so of bad. how dumb yeah. and racist yeah. it is. <laughs> how racist it is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I yeah. could have gotten there then. You also could have done it with Yorgos Lanthimos, who directed okay. Killing of a Sacred Deer with Nicole Kidman, who is in Lion with Dave Patel. And then from Dave Patel. Who's in what? With- Slumdog Millionaire with Anil Kapoor. Oh, okay. Yeah. And but Anil then Kapoor that's a really long one. No, no. Dave Patel is in um, Hotel Mumbai with Anand Bunger. Yeah, exactly. Or Anil Kapoor okay. is in Hamara de la Pase with Gajol. <laughs> there are ways to do it, though. Yeah, there are ways but to do your, it. Okay. Your silver linings. But I didn't one use Marvel. You did what not was the use Marvel, Marvel way. Oh, I didn't think of a Marvel way. Oh, Rachel Weiss is in Marvel. Rachel movies. Weiss is in. Can you in do one it with Marvel, Marvel movie? Um. Okay, Rachel Weiss is in Black Widow. Yeah. So we'll take Scarlett Johansson from there because she's in all of the Marvels. Mm-hmm. And let's see, how can we connect someone to someone? Who can we connect? Inter- I don't know. My brain's not working today. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure we could connect Irfan Khan to somebody. Irfan Khan. Irfan Khan is an easy one. Irfan Khan was in Bilu Barber with Shah Rukh Khan. There you go. And I'm sure he's in something with somebody yeah. who's in a Marvel movie. So there you go. Wasn't Irfan in a Marvel movie? Is oh, he? Irfan was in one of the Spider-Mans. And then Why don't I one of those Spider-Men him? was in Homecoming. <laughs> one of the, you watched Homecoming, you know. No, but I don't know which one Imran, uh, Irfan Khan was in. He's not in any Spider-Man. He's in a Spider-Man. He? Oh, he's in The Amazing Sp- yeah, Spider-Man there you go. with Andrew Garfield yeah. and Emma Stone. There you go. There we go. Oh, wow. There are many ways, actually. Hmm. Okay. So we had much more fun with this game than we did with Cavalcade. That's clear. <laughs> but next week it is your job to connect Kuch Kuchotahe or tell me to connect Kuch Kuchotahe to something to something I'm so excited when we watch It Happened One Night I'm excited for It Happened One Night I'm excited for It Happened One Night I've wanted to see that actually for a really long time and I never have the like energy to watch a black and white movie if I'm being honest but mm-hmm. if I'm being forced to watch it I'm like totes down for it you know what it's gonna happen yeah it's one sh- night Mika now. it's short too how long is it? At 105 minutes. <gasps> I mean, it's yeah, un- that's exciting. Yeah, it's under two hours, Mita. Forty one hour, 45 minutes. Yeah, I love it. That's good. It's good for you. Yeah. And it has Clark Gable. Sorry. It has Clark Gable. It's uh, And it's the original romantic comedy. And we love a rom-com. Yep. We love here. a good rom-com, but let's see a what happens one. with it. Nadeem loves The Wedding Planner, so. <laughs> I, it's a top five film of all time. But that's for next week. Mita, do you have any parting words for us? I guess so. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Time changes many things. You gave Duh. more emotion in that performance than, <laughs> than she did. Than she did, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and rate and review. And we will see you next week for It Happened One Night. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.